You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Actually, I did see a couple. I seen a couple. Have you seen the one where you're crawling out of the TV? Yeah. Coming for people. You don't like that one? Why? I don't like my face. I don't <laughs> like that picture, that specific picture. Um, okay, well, while we're talking about social media, there was a Vine that you posted back in 2013 that, uh... I don't hoop no more. All I do is this. My boy right here, the, the other boy right there, it's all about to cook like... You're really thinking of giving up basketball to become a barbecue chef? Oh, I just wanted some attention, that's all. I, was, <laughs> I can't even cook, but, uh... Yeah, just me being young and, you know, just... Riding away with being on Vine and stuff like that, but uh, that's funny. That video's funny. I actually see some people bring that video back up. I need to go uh, delete some of my old stuff. Welcome to episode 39 of the Celtics Blog Podcast. I teased this one on Friday. It's Saturday morning. The Celtics are versing the Cavaliers tonight at 8.30. Going for a 3-0 lead against the Cavaliers. Something I never imagined. Something this guy probably never imagined. He's Sam slash Jam Packard. And before we get going, Jam, I got to tell you about my master plan. I'm going to be the villain revealing my plan right now. So first I had Jay on this show, the Celtics Blog Podcast. Now I have you. Once I get John, I think I got you guys all under wraps. One Umbrella Podcast, and then the competition's eliminated. What do you think of that? Oh, whoa. I wasn't ready for that master plan. Um, <laughs> now that you're revealing it early, I don't know. I think we might see it coming, but uh, it's good to be here. It's always fun to just talk Celtics with everyone and got to love Celtics blog and everything you guys do at uh, CLNS. So happy to be here. There he is. So we talked to Justin Rowan, the competition, the Cavaliers blogger. Uh, on did you 38. hear his tears? Did you taste his tears? Was he upset? It was beautiful, especially coming from a guy who boldly declared that the Cavaliers would sweep this series. That was his heart. His brain told him that they'd win in five. Now both of those are off the table. But let's uh, calm down. I'm sure a lot of people are excited about Game 3 tonight. Let's talk about Terry Rogier's interview at practice on (laughs) Thursday. (laughs) So here's my thing. We've talked about weird Celtics Twitter on here before with uh, Max. Um, one of the representatives of it, along with you. And my big question was, how much do the Celtics embrace this? I talked to Abby Chin. She didn't th- seem to think that they were involved at all. But one guy all along who I thought had some hope for embracing this was Terry Roger. And I'd say he does. What, what about you? I mean, he's a very online guy. I mean, there's a reason we have his entire history of Twitter and all of his vines, because that dude loves to post and so I think he said he was uh, when they played him the vine, the cook life vine, he said like he saw other people bringing that up. I think he's, <laughs> he's slightly aware of it. 
like his man Gunna Man, who's a, a rapper. Uh, he's definitely like likes every po- like a lot of the posts that he's in. He interacts with the kind of weird Celtics Twitter online. <laughs> I think Terry Rozier is is our only hope for embracing it. I don't know if he's ever gonna uh, like fully get into the weird memes because weird Celtics Twitter. It's a weird place, man. It's I don't even create that much like posts or content for it. I more just kind of really enjoy talking about it. But, um, I mean, I think you see with Terry Rozier with, like, the Scary Terry t-shirts and the stuff he does with Barstool. He's an online individual. So if anyone knows about it, it's Terry Rozier. And then I'm just, like, I have a really strong feeling that Danny Ainge and Mike Zarin are both just have uh, dummy accounts and are are following weird (laughs) Celtics Twitter. Burner accounts. There has to be people in the organization who are aware of it. It just just makes too much sense to me. They're going to make a lot of money if they embrace it going forward. I do wonder, though. So we're coming up on the end of the season one way or another, whether they somehow lose the series or whether they raise the trophy. Both very real options. Let's say it. We're going to look back at this year as the inaugural year of Weird Celtics Twitter, and it all got started back in the preseason. It seemed like from day one it got started with uh, the first take interview before the year, whether it was Tommy Heinsohn who got it going. We'll debate that in just a second. But... Do you see this going on into next season? I, I can't see why I wouldn't. I mean, I feel like the, the real origins of, like, the weirdness is just people doing kind of posts, Reddit style, <laughs> just, like, memes, just, like, just, just like <laughs> images that make no sense just putting them together. That started really with, like, Isaiah. It really grew uh, especially strong this year. I don't know if we just didn't know, like, who the team was going to be, so we just, like, kind of created a new – a new identity for him, but um, I, I don't see why I wouldn't. I feel like the mantras always keep posting, and so I don't see why the posting would stop. Our own Andrew Docks, he subscribes to that philosophy. I do have yeah, to bleep. He's, he's, he's <laughs> do. one of the best proponents of keep, always keep posting. I'm going to have to bleep you on the S word there, though. Jeff Band oh, swearing I, on this podcast. So you're, you're one of the few to break the rules. So strike one right there. I forgot this was a Celtics blog endeavor, and no disrespect meant to, meant to Jeff. I will refrain <laughs> from. Uh, Seal those lips. So I'll I'll let you open them right now because we're about to get into our top five list of weird Celtics Twitter moments this year. We might as well now. I'm sure there'll be many to come throughout the rest of the series, but we got to wrap it up at some point. This is probably the only time I'm going to talk to you before the season ends. So let's do it right now. You're number five. We'll go back and forth. Um. Number five, I don't know. This is a, this is a hard thing. I've got to be honest. Like like my top five list is always uh, going down. But I think, dude, this is this is a difficult task. Um, I, I, I was trying to come up with a five. I we we did the like the the mar, the madness bracket, and I had to stop at eight because I couldn't choose between them. <laughs> I think combat muscles is coming in at number there five. When, when, the, when Max Lederman had it like on the screen, and it, he said. Uh, Smart leads league in combat muscles and grit. Like that's just a great image right there. And I'm, but I feel bad like putting that at five. There's so many other great things. I hope you get the Ojale factory in there too because I had to leave that one out. I had to leave combat muscles out. I thought one of the hardest guys to meme this year would be Marcus Morris, but he just completely blew that notion up when he screamed. He might the be tris- my number one. <laughs> really? Wow. We're really going in different directions here then. But I do have him on my list with the scream at Tristan Thompson the other day. 
such a memorable i mean how, how else were we going to talk about tristan thompson and his relationship issues throughout <laughs> the course of the series without that moment and that just allowed everybody we got the entertainment media involved here we got to bring that whole crowd into the celtics universe through that and we really just had two worlds collide there so that's my number five number four well, I just want to say one thing about Mook, the the image of him, like the classic meme of him looking at not his girlfriend and it's uh, ISO <laughs> fadeaway instead of easy layup, like that is an all-time internet image. Um, number four, I'm going to go, I, I mean, I think it's Al Horford's eyes, just like he's a beautiful man. <laughs> I think in all the like the the wonderfulness surrounding just like his eyelashes and his general Dominican beauty, uh, I think it's gonna have to come in at number four. I missed him and David Ortiz uh, yucking up at the game the other night. Did you catch that when you were there? Yeah, I saw them courtside Ortiz in the uh, in the Horford jersey. Uh, a pair. I actually once uh, when Horford played for the Hawks, I asked him about his connections to. Um, Pedro, he said he grew up like always watching Pedro, and Pedro is like a big event. And he said he was good friends with Ortiz and Manny. So uh, it was just a cool, like they're apparently been friends for a while. So yeah, I believe was, I believe they had a cookout right before he signed with the Celtics. So we can thank uh, David for that, along with many other things. Uh, my number four, the Marcus Smart paintings. Any one of them, take your <laughs> choice. Those are perfect. Any of the paintings, really. I remember the one with uh, Jason Tatum reaching out and uh, touching one of the Greek gods. I don't, I don't even know what that yeah. one was. He was t- reaching out to someone. I'm not uh, schooled on my religion, as you can see. But those are <laughs> I think awesome. It's God. I think it's God. Is it God? Yeah. All right, yeah. I think it's God. We're going to get to God later in this list. but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Of course we would. <laughs> All right, number three. Number three, I think Terry, just Terry Rozier Vines in general. I don't know. It's hard to really like. Uh, that was always one of my favorite. We saw it. We already talked about it with the Cook Life, but he's got some genius stuff. Anyone who gets the chance should go through Sam Sheehan's thread of all the good Vines, but those are just constant entertainment. And just Vines are hilarious. I kind of miss Vine. Would Terry still be Vining if Vine was still alive? I don't know. Like, Terry's got a lot of money to protect, and he can't be being as nonsensical. <laughs> like he's still very much on Snapchat and Instagram, which are which are similar. So I would think he'd still definitely still be vining. My number three, the Marcus Smart flip when he flipped up against the Bulls there on the ground. <laughs> like there is the number one thing about Celtics uh, weird Celtics Twitter is that the players just seem to keep playing into these like online perceptions we have of them, and there was nothing more Marcus Smart than him just like flipping up from his back onto the ground in a motion that none of us could recreate. <laughs> and then uh, on God, real quick, I don't know if Nick Gelso made this or who at CLNS made that picture of him like rolling out with the little roller thing there. We've seen that picture, but it's him <laughs> in space, and it's just the caption: "Is Marcus Smart God?" Like just, <laughs> <I've> never, <laughs> you've ever seen that one? I don't. Yeah. I, I don't know if we can uh, throw Nick Gelso as a key contributor to Weird Celtics Twitter. I'm not that's sure if thing. I'm. Anyone can contribute, and if that's the image you're contributing, you're. F- oh, sorry, didn't mean to swear. <laughs> Whoa, two welcome. strikes. <laughs> I'm sorry. You get me going. You get the blood pumping with uh, Weird Celtics Twitter talk. I get excited. I apologize. <laughs> so a double choice right there for number three. You're number two. Number two, I think, has to be Thick Jack Frame. Oh, yes. Thick Jack Frame is just, it's been so good for so long. And just the the very first, I think I actually like the one of Marcus Smart holding the giant TV. And then it has the graphics (laughs) best thing on the TV that says Thick Jack Frame. That's just like a great combination. That's a meme inside a meme. And um, 
but thick jack frame. It's just because Semi is such a he does have a thick jack frame. Like if you see that dude at all in person up close, he's huge. I saw uh, that. Yeah, I was interviewing him the other day at practice, and I was that my eyes were on the chest for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, they linger a little bit. It's just like wow, that's a thick thick dude. <laughs> my number two. Got to be Jalen and Kyrie floating in space. <laughs> Kyrie in the background, Jalen with the glasses, making whatever face he was making. I mean, that has been that has become so many different people's profile pictures on Twitter. It's hard to keep track of who's who. So that one's been so influential, so everlasting that I think it will fit as my number two. That's a great one. I mean, like the Kyrie, well, Jalen and Kyrie, they combine for a lot of great uh, images here on Celtics Twitter. They're both. So cerebral and kind of weird that like you can just put them in a in a any world and it kind of makes sense. And two other people would just keep playing into it. I think someone asked Jalen at practice on Thursday how he stays calm, and he was talking about breathing and meditation or something when the crowd gets going right up his alley. Um, I can't wait for this because I don't know if you're going to guess where I'm going for number one, but you're number one. This is a big moment. Probably the first time you're declaring your number one here. Um, number one. I don't know. The, the thing that I think I have liked the most this season is Jalen Brown on stage at Harvard giving a speech. But in the background, it's a, a previous Photoshop of Jalen Brown dunking in space with Guy Fieri in the corner. And then there's another screen and it's Marcus Smart taking a charge uh, uh, from Chris Paul or no, from James Harden in the Rockets comeback. <laughs> That has been that was just like an all around great image. Um, and then just the other thing is Ben Simmons, it, it, like the same image of Jalen on Cray, but take a three U coward made by Jack Michael. That is one of like I think that's recency bias, but Ben Simmons is a coward has been uh, one of my longest. Uh, my favorite joke so far, and it's just been a, a lot of fun. I'll take the Ben Simmons one with the uh, Wilt Chamberlain, both zeros cut out. Oh, yeah, number one. That was just too easy but too good at the same time. We just get what we want through Twitter. It's free. It's great. What we need Amazing comes to it. us. What's All your right. number one? I'm excited to hear it. So I'm sitting down there in the preseason watching one of the games. Obviously, you want to see Hayward, Kyrie, all these guys coming together. Unsuspecting of when this weird Celtics Twitter thing was even going to come about. You know, if there's a big play, sometimes we'd all talk about it on Twitter. Like We'd have our moments where Twitter would blow up. But we're watching the game. It's Hornet Celtics at the Garden. Mike and Tommy are on the call. Aaron Baines is in the game starting to do some things. And all of a sudden, Tommy Heinsohn, we know where we're going with this one. Just like so casually in the flow of conversation, like he was doing his due diligence, like this is just part of the job, guys. There is no, no way we were going to do this Banners broadcast episode 12 today without talking about Tommy's insane conversation. And life insurance. I'll tell you, I took a look at Baines in the shower. He looks like all of Australia. (laughs) He is really... We, I, I talked about at the beginning, this game didn't need any more hype, any more excitement, any, anything else to put our eyes on it with all the hype around this team, all there was to see yesterday. And he goes out and makes the call of the season in the first preseason game. 
I, I, I don't even know where to go with this, so I'm going to hand it off to Greg. Did, did he actually see Baines in the shower? Like, what kills me most about this is how, matter of fact, he said it. Like, he was doing his due diligence. I took a look at Baines in the shower. Like, it was something he had to do. <laughs> <laughs> and all of Australia. Yeah. <laughs> what was the exact quote? It was he's as big as all of Australia. I think it's like it's very pretty pretty right there for you. I remember I was in the garden and I just saw like all Oh, you did not watch that live. That is too bad because I no, heard I saw the I saw the tweets about it. I was like, there's no way he just said that. It <laughs> <laughs> like, exploded. No, because if you were watching that live and even just listening a little bit and you hear the line, I took a look at Aaron Baines in the shower. I mean, everyone drops over like all of Australia for good reason. But like just how casually and matter of factly he says, I took a look at so-and-so in the shower. Like that's just part of the job. That's what you got to do. No way around it. (laughs) I'll tell you, he's been around these guys in the shower for years. That's just how you evaluate players, Tommy Heinsohn. And to be fair – He's been showering at the Boston Garden probably for what, sixty years now? Like I'm sure that's just like a regular occurrence with him. Like that's been his one of his places he's tasted the most showers. So it makes sense. Uh, not bad for number one, I'll say. And all of Australia definitely stuck with Baines. I I don't think anyone ever asked him that. I don't think I would have the guts to ask um, Aaron about that he one. He wore a towel later in the year with like a. Uh, I'm trying to PC it up to, with a on like on the towel, and it was like he was making light of the all of Australia joke. So, uh, I think he's been asked about it. Now, is is that word gonna flash on here too? I don't know. <laughs> that word should that was a scientific word. That word should be uh, as fine as possible. All right, that's anatomy. I think I'll let that one slide through the edits. Uh, let's talk Eastern Conference Finals because there's a game tonight. Uh, I'm stunned. I'm just floored at how the series has gone. But I've been thinking after the Marcus Smart game in Game 2 where he just did everything Smart's capable of doing, hitting a long-range three, stealing balls, saving them out of bounds, dropping balls to Baines on the pick-and-roll, doing pretty much everything he's capable of and really being the second man or first man in that win alongside Jalen Brown. I, I don't think they're here without Smart. And I don't know where I'd rank him in importance to this run at this point, but he's got to be up there. I mean, where would you put him in importance level in them getting to two wins in the East Finals to this point? I don't know. That that feels impossible to do with this uh, Celtics team just because it feels like each guy is playing um, kind of equal roles with the scoring and a, a new guy can step up each night. But he's well, he was amazing in game two. Uh, just the nine assists and just, and then all the insane hustle plays. It's hard to rank them. I think Horford is clearly like the number one and has been the most valuable player for the Celtics this entire time. Um, smart, maybe two, but I could also see Jalen Brown being two. And then Tatum at times has led the offense. And then actually times Rozier's led the offense. So I feel like it's Al Horford and then basically a four way tie for, for second place. But smart was amazing. There's nothing really the, um, the Cavs could do to stop him. He uh, he attacked in so many different ways, and then the hustle plays on top of hustle plays, and like being the most physical guy on the court is just like what you want when you're doing playoff basketball. The Celtics have already accomplished so much in this series. I, we're on the border of saying like they're right there. We're going to be seeing them in the NBA Finals. Like people saw the tweet about Game One of the Finals being on May 31st, and you get the eyes pointing that way, but no one wants to talk about it yet until you get the three wins. What's it going to take for Boston to close out this series going to Cleveland? 
They got to keep playing defense. Like they have done a good job of limiting LeBron James. Even in he scored 40 points. I thought they did a good job on him in the second half. Um, he might have been concussed. Who knows? Definitely helped if he was. Uh, definitely helped if he wasn't. But he didn't play as well in the second half. I think they're going to have to keep playing and being the most athletic and most physical. And they can't play like they're up 2-0. Like the part of the the reason it feels like they won these games is that. They've just been getting to every single 50-50 ball and treating it uh, and playing defense with the amount of intensity where there's no real possessions off. And uh, the Cavs really struggled to score the ball, and I think that's what it's going to be. It's going to be a commitment to the defensive end and um, continuing to play with uh, a lot of energy. Because I expect this, they still have LeBron James. Like, LeBron James is going to figure out a way to even make his team better and still probably give you a 40-point triple-double. He's just the best player on the court. I just don't know if he has the weapons around him right now, but I don't know. You can never really rule him out. Roger flying and replicating his dunk in real time was a moment in the series. And if they go on to win it, I think that might end up being the definitive moment in that series. That moment was wild. I thought he was for sure going to get blocked, and then he was, threw it down. It was great. Yeah, and it just that, that was the LeBron motion. That was the LeBron dunk right with him running from behind. So that's just that's a visual in itself right there. Uh, did you have Cleveland in the series? Did you have Boss? Did you make a prediction? I think I, I said Boston in seven, but I wasn't too confident about it. Oh, I think I said Cleveland in six or Boston in seven. I really thought um, the Cavs were going to uh, come out with more of an effort, and they still can. I mean, I actually, after the Bucks series, the Celtics went up 2-0, and I declared the Bucks dead. Yep, so um, did I. So, so, many wrong, I wanna, so many wrong predictions, these playoffs. They, they still have two home games. Like They still have LeBron James. I don't really don't like I'm trying to avoid declaring them dead, but there's nothing I've seen in the first two games that would like, I've been really trying to figure out what their adjustments are going to be. And if it, it's basically just like have just make more threes. If they make a lot more threes at home, then I think they're, they're going to do a better job, but the Celtics have done a damn good job of running them off the three point line. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if how effective just like maybe JR can go off cause JR could go off and maybe Corver can go off, but this Cavs are really struggling to score and maybe uh, if they fix their three-point shooting, I think that's how they would kind of climb back into the series. I'd love to look at the defensive analytics cutting off that Milwaukee series because that was a that was series was so hard. I mean, you look back at that game seven and you're like, whew, glad they got through that one because it seemed to be smooth sailing from there on the defensive end. I think the Bucks really just canceled out all that length that's played so well against Philly and Cleveland. Um, but what has been able to be so effective against LeBron? Because he came in here notably with his second highest points per game in the playoffs ever for his career. And they held him to 15 in game one, I believe. And then just 10 points in the post in game two, which is a stunning number. Is it just Marcus Morris? Is that the number of guys they're able to throw at him? And what has made Morris so effective on him? There's just so many factors at play, but it's stunning the amount at which they've slowed him. I think they're really doing a good job of limiting him uh, on the drives. He scored a lot of his points uh, um, off three-point shooting and kind of outside shooting, but there's he, they're not letting him get to the rim. And I think actually playing Giannis and playing Ben Simmons uh, has really helped them kind of prepare for that. But you yep. see every single time they get back on the court, guys on the at the free throw line putting their hands up, just trying to build a wall, not letting LeBron get any air in transition, and then just – really not letting him drive like LeBron. I think they're going to welcome him being a jump shooter just as they welcomed Ben Simmons being a jump shooter and just how they welcome Giannis being a jump shooter. And I think they've really limited on the drive. So he hasn't been able to kind of just abuse them um, down low or just at the rim. He's done a good job 
posting up because he's LeBron. He's always going to do a good job posting up. But when you go up, like he doesn't want to have to fight all those battles on the offensive end and just post up like Marcus Morris or even Marcus Smart. Like that's an exhausting process. And then he has to go and be the team's defensive player. I just don't think that's a sustainable strategy for LeBron. So uh, they're really limiting his easy buckets, which is, uh, I think, paying dividends. We saw it's just like a diminished LeBron in the second half. I could mix in the West Finals, but I'm not going to do that for Jinx's shake. I mean, Jinx's sake. Uh, Jinx's shake too, man. Yeah, that too. That's Jam Packard. I'll ask him the question later on Twitter if this series gets to three, because then I'll feel safe enough for that. But 8.30 tonight, Cavs, Celtics. Are you going to Cleveland? I'm not going to Cleveland. All right, well, I wouldn't be, want to be caught dead in Cleveland. He'll be watching it on his couch and tweeting from at Jam Packard. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Bobby. Reunion Arena in Dallas, where the Mavs and Lakers are playing tonight, was built in 1980. Now, you couldn't ask for a better facility. It's easily accessible, has all the comforts of a theater, and there isn't a bad seat in the house. But for some reason, there are those who prefer the Boston Garden, mostly those who wear Celtic green. What is so special about the Boston Garden, other than the fact that it's a 1,000 years old? Let's take a look. First of all, a garden it's not. It's a train station, really. One flight up and you're on the fabled parquet floor. Now, before you get all misty-eyed about the parquet, take a closer look.